0: We are going to go ahead and pray this together and then we'll read and then I'll read Revelation 6, uh, 8, 6 through 13. Pray with me. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Blessed are the readers, hearers and keepers of this word. Now. The seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain uh, "'Burning with fire was thrown into the sea, "'and a third of the sea became blood, "'and a uh, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, "'and a third of the ships were destroyed, "'and a third angel blew his trumpet, "'and a great star fell from heaven, "'blazing like a torch, "'and it fell on a third of the rivers "'and on the springs of water. "'The name of the star is Wormwood.'" a third of the waters became wormwood and many people died from the water because it had been made too bitter and a fourth angel blew his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck and a third of the moon and a third of the stars so that a third of their light might be darkened and a third of the day might be kept from shining and likewise a third of the night then I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. You guys may be seated. We live in a world that is full of judgment. Every opinion, to a certain degree, is an extension of our judgments. And, and it makes everybody a judge. And the more we have the ability to have opinions, the more we have the ability to judge, not only ourselves, but one another, uh, from politicians down to just everybody else that we uh, stand in judgment over. But here we see this, that Jesus is going to get the final word in judgment. As this seventh seal these seventh seal is opened and there's seven trumpets and seven bowls of wrath in them, we see that Jesus is going to get the final word in judgment. He took the penalty for our sins. He took our judgment. And he also, in turn, he gave us his righteousness. So for those who believe in Jesus, who believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, The judgment over them is love, and love covers a multitude of sin, but sometimes it takes a catastrophic event to get us there. We live in a world that judges uh, not only everything else, but even judges Christians, right? The world believes many things about us, those who proclaim to believe in Jesus, depending on who it is, the judgment's. Uh, will be made against us many people think that we as christians are foolish or ignorant some feel this way because of the actions that christians have taken in g that christians have taken and they've taken it in jesus name and there are plenty of things done in the name of jesus that most christians and certainly scriptures wouldn't agree with and yet they're they're still done in the name or at least for what they say is the cause of christ things that I don't believe Jesus or the Bible condoned. So with things like you can think about the Crusades, that was done in the name of Jesus. Slavery was often done in the name of Jesus. Colonization of different people and putting people in suppression under uh, a Christian nation was done in the name of Jesus. Theft of land and murder of people was done in the name of Jesus. And if we are to be honest, as Christians, we have to know that there have been many things done in the name of Jesus that, quite honestly, I don't think Jesus would have wanted done. And we can, we can say, so when people say, these things were done in the name of Christianity, we can say, yes, but I don't know if Jesus would have wanted them to be done. We are also often, as Christians, we're also often judged for the beliefs that we have. I can say it this way, as Christians, we believe some pretty crazy things at times. Some things that are pretty hard to imagine. Some things that are scientifically impossible. So and we believe things that unless the Holy Spirit comes in and opens our eyes to see, opens our hearts to understand, we'll never believe them. No one can. Think about this. Jesus' death and bodily resurrection from the dead. That's crazy. Think, think about, um, we celebrate that act every single week. We, se- we celebrate Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection every week. But I think of things that are hard and people make fun of us for, I think the Trinity. We believe in one God, but that one God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe this. And, and yet at the same time, like, Even a lot of Christian um, apologetists have tried to explain this. And I always find flaws in their argument. And, And we don't worship three gods. It's one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we take it on mystery, and then we dive deeper into a relationship with this one God. We can think about things like the Red Sea parting. Yes, I happen to think it was literal, and some people don't, but I think it was literal. I think of Jonah being swallowed by a great whale. I think of God at the beginning of time hovering over the face of the earth and then speaking this earth into existence. We believe these things, and we are judged as silly, foolish, sometimes superstitious because we pray and we believe prayer works. We're, we're uh, told that we are ignorant or that we're flat out wrong by people who don't agree with us. We are judged. And yet all of this is, there are some that are judged rightly, like the Crusades and so on and so forth. And then there's some where all we're trying to do is live out our faith to the best of our ability. And people mock us. All we can do is walk with Jesus step by step and people think that that's ridiculous. We are judged. We are come against. Christians in this world are persecuted for simply believing in Jesus. And here, what we see in Revelation 8, and we're going to see it quite a bit, is that judgment is real. Judgment is very real. In judgment, uh, uh, if, if you tell me The cross of Christ isn't real, and forgiveness of sin isn't needed. Then, honestly, I have wasted my entire life, and I don't think any uh, any one of us wants to waste our lives. And I don't want to. um, and, And I know for me, I want to invest my life in God's kingdom as much as possible. And I believe that about you guys as well. And so, for that, we are judged by this world. And oftentimes it's judged harshly. But just as in God's grace, judgment is also God's. God will have the final say in judgment. We have all sinned and fallen short. Every human besides Jesus has sinned and fallen short. No one can measure up to the perfection that God expects from us. And no one knows the thoughts of God because they're so far beyond us. They're so far beyond us. It's, It's not that uh, it's not that we, we judge, uh, because you know what? I know us all well enough. We all judge to a certain extent, but I pray that we may let God's love cover our judgments with love and leave salvation as well as the judgment up to God. As well as the judgment. We don't know exactly how He's going to do it. Here in Revelation 8, we see judgment. Judgment quite starkly. We see fire and hail mixed with blood, by the way. I don't know how that happens, but that's super scary. Great mountains and great stars falling to earth because of God's judgment on earth. Catastrophic events that will wipe out a third of many things. God, and not only that, after that's done, then the first woe comes. After that's done, then it says, woe to you who are left for the final three trumpets, God has been and is and will give a final judgment over this world. I don't think this level of judgment has been poured out on the earth yet. There have been—I'm I, I, willing to be wrong on that—and many, um, uh, many that could disagree me, with me come to mind, like situations where people have war- lived through what Revelation eight sounds like. And they, or they survived something like this, think of any country or any war that has included mass genocide and tell those people that Revelation 8 is figurative end time. So I do believe it's end time, but at the same time, like I'm willing to be wrong on that because um, if I'm honest, I don't think the seventh seal or the seven trumpets have been open or blown yet. And in that, I guess I'd have to believe in some huge world-ending cataclysmic event that will help usher in God's kingdom once and for all. But what we can see here is we can be clear that God is the one who judges the earth. It is clear in my mind that I don't fully understand it and I don't have to to believe that it's coming. I don't have to to believe that it's real. But I'd like to know maybe the why behind it to the best of my ability. I would love to know, why is this? And as I look into these judgments, I saw that many of them have happened before, and many of them have been predicted even before Jesus walked the earth. Before Jesus walked the earth, and then before Jesus shows them to John here in Revelation. And so this morning, I... I normally don't do this, but I'd like to take us on a, a bit of a tour, uh, a tour of judgment through the Bible, if you will. Like, and so we can look at where these things come from, where these different trumpets come from, and why people are being judged for them, these things. And I think this will help us understand why the judgment is in place. First, uh, The first angel blows his trumpet, and we see hail and fire mixed with blood thrown upon the earth. This one freaks me out, by the way. Well, they all do, but this one in particular. In Exodus chapter 9, 23 and 24, when the ten plagues that were placed on Egypt, Moses stretched out his staff towards heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire down on earth, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt, and there was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, Very heavy hail, such as never been seen in Egypt, uh, in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. So yes, we've seen this hail before as Moses stretched out his staff and hail fell over the Egyptians because because the Egyptian leaders would not let God's people go out of their midst, get out of slavery and go worship him they were holding back the people of God from their intended purposes as God saw fit. And so God punished Egypt. We are a people who are made to worship. We are made to worship Jesus. And we don't want to be held back from worshiping Jesus in spirit and in truth with some freedom. We don't want to be held from, back from worshiping our God. And there will be judgment for those who don't allow us to worship, there will be judgment. Ezekiel 38, 22 and 23 says this With pestilence and bloodshed, I will enter into judgment with him, and I will rain upon him and his hordes and the many people who are with him torrential rains and hailstones, fire and sulfur. So I will show my greatness and my holiness. And make myself known in the eyes of many nations. They will know that I am the Lord. God wants people to know that he is God. Which means we are not God. It is actually his great and infinite love and kindness to us. To show us this because of its great truth. He is greater. He is not to be mocked. He is not to be set aside. And I believe that once we see God for who He is, then we will see Jesus, His Son, for who He is. And we will believe and our lives will be sealed with the Jesus' broken body and shed blood for us. This judgment, this punishment, is to reveal to us the truth of God's goodness and love. It's to wake us up. It's to wake humanity up to the realities that are set before us. And I firmly believe that God wants to show us the truth of who He is and the extent that He is willing to go to see anyone who errs in their ways to get out of those erred ways. And I love Joel 2, 30-32. It says this, And I will show wonders in heavens and on earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. You can see already that this first woe is all like the the prophets of the Old Testament spoke to this. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the the, the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be those who escape as the Lord has said and said. And, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. The name of the Lord Jesus. We need Him. We need to call on His name. This punishment is meant to correct us and change us and then to leave us changed. It shows us a reality and it shows us once and for all that those who believe in Jesus... Will follow him, and we can see. I think I believe that we can see that Jesus loves the whole world, not only those who follow him. He wants everyone to follow him, even those who mock him and ridicule him and set him aside. He loves them as well. But then we see that the second trumpet is blown, and we see something like a a great mountain burning with fire thrown into the sea, and Jeremiah. 51 and 25 says this, Behold, I am against you, O destroying mountain, declares the Lord, which destroys the whole earth. I will stretch out my hand against you and roll you down from the crags and make you a burnt mountain. It's fascinating that we've seen the burnt mountain here, not just in Revelation, but if we would have read the Bible straight through, we would have seen it before. And I wonder what something like a great mountain is if it isn't a real mountain. I don't, the metaphor, What what is, what is the metaphoric? But I know that we, there have been at least metaphoric mountains in this world that have been created, uh, that have created obstacles of destruction. Obstacles that, uh, great barriers from a human perspective that come against our ability to believe in God, our ability to believe in Jesus Christ. Mountains that have tried to stop us or at least keep us from following Jesus. God will throw those obstacles into the sea. He will get rid of them so that those who are His will believe. We we sing often, there's no mountain you won't climb up to rescue His own. There's no obstacle that won't get in his way and it will serve as a judge to those who have put the obstacles in place. These obstacles will fall down and many will see, many will hear that Jesus is Lord and that God is good. Then we have the third angel blows his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven like blazing like a torch. This, uh, this is also a scary scene. It may be the first star that we see to fall, but it's not the last. And Isaiah 14, 12 says, How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, O sun of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who lay the nations low. This punishment is happening because of the, the punishment that has been extracted on others. God sees what those in power have done. He, he forgets sin once we confess it to Him, but if we don't confess it to Him and we don't think that we have sin, He seems to remember those who have wronged His children and kept those from knowing Him. There is nothing in heaven or on earth that can stand on God's way. Amen? There are those who try to put blockers but they will fall down like the mighty star Wormwood. Then we see the fourth angel and the last trumpet that we're going to cover today. And a third of the sun, the moon, the stars, and a third of their light will become dark. There will be a third less light on earth. It kind of feels like the Northwest at times. That is, <laughs> that is true. But we've seen... Darkness before with Moses and the Egyptians, Exodus 10, 21 through 23. Then the Lord said, stretch out your hand towards heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand towards heaven, and there was pitch darkness in the land of Egypt three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the people of Israel had light where they had lived that's because Jesus is their light. But we also see this in uh, we also see this darkness twice in Isaiah. Once in Isaiah uh 13:10. For the stars of the heavens and their constellation will not give light, the sun will be dark at its rising and the moon will not shed its light. And Isaiah 30:26 says, moreover the light of the moon will be as the light of the sun and the light of the sun will be sevenfold. As the, seven, or as the light of seven days in the Lord, which binds up the brokenness of his people and heals the wounds of his afflicted by his blow. And we can see later in Revelation that that bright light, that bright sun that is sevenfold is Jesus himself. And if we get a bigger picture of Isaiah 13, let me back out of this, we'll see why God puts darkness on the earth. And I'll start here. It's mainly pride. Isaiah 13, 9-13. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel with anger and fierce anger, to make the land a desolation and to destroy it its sinners from it. For the stars of the heavens and their constellation will not give light. The sun will be dark at its rising and the moon will not shed its light. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their evil. Iniquity, And I will put an end to the pomp of the arrogant and lay low the the pompous pride of the ruthless. I will make people more rare than fine gold and mankind the gold of Ophir. Therefore, I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will be shaken out of its place at the wrath of the Lord of hosts in the day of his fierce anger. God wants us to be healed from our brokenness. He wants us to be relieved from our pride. He wants us to repent. Who? Just Christians? No, all mankind. He wants us to repent because he wants us to follow him because he knows that that is the best way. That the way of following Jesus is a is a good way. He wants this so much that he sent Sign upon sign upon sign through all of human history, even today. And he even sent his son. And yet the world denied all the signs. The world killed his one and only son. And he still loves the people of this earth. To the the extent that he has taken to gain more sons and daughters into his kingdom is absolutely incredible. And this leads me to my last point. A third of the earth, the trees, all the grass was burned up. A third of the sea became blood and a third of living creatures and a third of the ships were destroyed. A third of the rivers and springs of the water were made bitter. A third of the star, sun, moon, and light was extinguished. You can see this theme, right? A third, a third, a third, a third. But why a third? Why a third? And as I was pondering it this week, I had a lot of time to think about this this week. And I'm glad I did because this is a difficult text, to be honest. Like, I believe it's God's grace as to why a third. Think of this. The world since the beginning has stood in opposition to God. The majority of the people and the nations have stood in direct opposition to God and His ways. They've rejected Him. They've taken other idols. They've done things that God has tried to reveal Himself to them and they've said, no, we don't want it. They have and are persecuting people for believing in Jesus. They're hurting our good Father's children. And a good father won't put up with anyone intentionally hurting his children. It's unacceptable. A third here is a significant portion, but it's not total. It's not total. It's not even half, right? God could destroy everyone all at once. He could destroy more than a third. But here is the gracious part. He leaves room for repentance because he knows that there's still more. Even those who have persecuted Christians, he leaves room for belief and for grace. He leaves room for people to cry out, God, I know you're real. I'm sorry. Even tr- He's even true in the end times when all the world and all its evils have piled up so that God has said enough there's still room for repentance and grace. And this is a beautiful and gracious thing. I think of it this way. If you killed any of my sons, I don't think I'd be able to extend the same patience that God has extended. In fact, I know I wouldn't. A third is actually, the the fact that it's a third, a third, a third is a further evidence of God's goodness and his grace. As for how all this stuff will actually play out, I believe this. I believe we need humility. There are wonderful books of fiction that have depicted these events with great imagination. I honestly don't fault them. I think that they're kind of fun. And apocalyptic like uh, speculations are fun to read. It hasn't happened yet. We don't know how it's going to play out. But I think when we take them as written as truth or this is how it will work, We're in a dangerous place. We need humility. Now and always, we need humility. I guess I'll tell you why I write this. Why I think humility. I read a news article this week that says, A third of the rivers in the United States are turning green and yellow. And the scientists don't know why. And it struck me because the article said a third. And I've kind of been in a third type of mood this week with a third, a third, a third. And it made me think that the scientists don't know why this is happening to a third of the rivers in the United States. And it made me believe that we need to walk in this with a little bit of humility. We can't always know what the unintended consequences of our actions are. But I know this, we are not the judges. We like to pretend that we are, but God is. We would uh, n- likely not be as kind, as gracious as God is. And I'm grateful that he's that way with me. And I pray that we may be able in humility to search our own hearts, to make sure that we don't stand against God his will in our life or in the lives of others. Whenever it comes to judgment, I barely even know my own intentions and why I do the things that I do. And I don't know anyone else's either. I make speculations all the time. That's, that's what happens. So in this, I think this begs us that we need humility. Too many times when it comes to judgment, I've heard Christians over the years get all excited, like finally God's going to do it. God's going to rain down fire on them. And it's always them, it's never us. And God comes in and asks us to be responsible. And so, just because someone disagrees with us, just because someone disagrees with Scripture is the way that we read it, doesn't mean that that's who God's going to judge. Because quite honestly, we don't know. But be warned and pay attention, Grace and Mercy Church, because we do know over and over and over, God comes against those who have built up pride. And some of the most prideful, arrogant people in this world are Christians with all their Bible verses attached. For Grace and Mercy Church, I pray that we might have the humility that we need to pay attention and not assume we are going to get out of this final judgment. Not assume that we are the ones who get to be judged or that we won't be judged. God will judge us. And we need the humility to remember that. Every time I think of judgment, I think of this in Matthew 7, and I'm going to leave us with this. This is Matthew 7, 21 through 23 as a reminder that we need humility at all times. Not everyone, This is the words of Jesus. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Jesus, I pray that we don't hear those words. I pray that we can have the humility to come to you and that we can listen to you that we can follow you step by step, that we don't stand in the way of us getting between um, our, our walk with you and other people's walks with you, Lord, but we can just allow your spirit to move in and through others. So, Lord, I pray that we may hear, well done, good and faithful servant, rather than depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. God, I pray that you will grant us that type of humility. Each and every one of us, in Jesus' name, amen.